it's business time at the Euros. We've entered the knockouts into the round of 16. Being pretty counts for nothing now. It's all about winning by hook or by crook. Aridman, Chiro, Udejala all here to unleash it all in Just for Kicks. Gentlemen, what a topsy-turvy final match day. The draw has been made. The die has been cast. Let's begin with one of the biggest rivalries in football. England versus Germany. It's a heavyweight matchup. It's also a clash between the two of you, Jala and Chiro. Why? Well, Jala already told us about his support for Germany from the days of Lothar Matthias, Rudi Foller, Andres Bremer, etc. Chiro, on the other hand, supports England for a reason which, honestly, I do not know. Jala, take it away. This particular match, actually, I think Aridman, you hit the nail on the head. It's all actually about grinding out results right now. And I think we saw that in uh, Group F, especially in Germany's group. I think all teams uh, never had like full consistent moments of full fluidity. And obviously Germany is amongst those teams and they've had to grind out their results. Probably Portugal was their standout moment. Uh, but the other two games, you could see them struggling quite a bit, especially uh, on the counter uh, with the pace that France had, of course. And we saw that at the beginning uh, with Cristiano's gold. But even surprisingly from Hungary, and I mean, let's not dwell on Hungary too much, but just a word on their spirit and, and how they have drawn against two of the biggest teams in the world. And even against Portugal was only till I think the 85th minute is when they actually conceded that first goal. So kudos to them to really like hold out and have a chance right up until the end to qualify for this group. But Germany, I think um, there are a lot of issues within that squad right now, that pace um, that they're vulnerable to on the counter is a concern. And I'm a little bit worried that if Southgate doesn't try to be too smart and he actually uses the pace of Sterling, Rashford, Sancho, people like that running at um, whoever ends up being in central defense for um, Germany could cause some problems. But it's knockout football. It's Germany, England. So I would always say you have to give the edge to Germany. And we all know that if it goes to penalties, there's only going to be one winner in this particular tie. It's interesting. I mean, if you asked me two, three weeks back, I wouldn't, uh, I would have been very confident that the, the English team could uh, give the Germans a great run for their many. I'm still slight, silently confident purely because of what I saw yesterday against uh, Hungary. And I agree with you, man. I think uh, that... There, is, there are weaknesses in the German team that are waiting to be exploited. I think they're weak down the sides. They're very vulnerable to counterattacks. They're slow, very slow to, uh, and ponderous through the middle as well. I mean, as great a player as Tony Cruz is, as great a player as Ilkay, Ilkay Gundogan is, speed is not their forte, right? You can see people like Pogba just drive past them. You can see an N'Golo Kante drive past them. Similarly, yesterday also, I can't remember the Hungarian midfielder's name, but there were moments when... Cruz was just not being able to keep up. And I think there lies uh, a pretty good vantage point for England, something that they can exploit. I mean, again, if Gareth Southgate doesn't try to be too smart and he looks at the players at his disposal, I'm not going to say this begrudgingly, but I thought Bukayo Saka was excellent. Again, very direct. And just the difference that him and Grealish made to that team, running directly at people, taking defenders on. Even if he doesn't, let's say, play Jaden Sancho, which I don't think he will because you can't just bring somebody who's been on the bench for three games uh, out in the cold to play against a German side. I don't think that happens. I don't even think Marcus Rashford starts. But if he does still start 
Bukayo Saka and Jack Grealish, I think they can give the German defense a lot of problem. I'd be very interested to see, and this is my matchup, and you can disagree with me if you want to. The key matchup for me in the middle of the park is how Calvin Phillips squares up against Tony Cruz. I think if Phillips is uh, as dynamic as he has been in this particular tournament, if he can get in there, if he can bite like he has, I think he might cause Germany some problems. And I think quietly, I think England might pull a nice, lazy 1-0. And I'd, I'd be very happy with that. You know, England might have only scored two goals in the entire competition, and which is actually the least of all the teams that have qualified. But here's the deal. They have conceded zero as well. Yes, one can argue that it was against Scotland, Czech Republic, and a lackluster Croatia. But it's a clean sheet all the same. And in the knockout, this is going to be very, not very, very vital. For me, this is a big positive. You know, and all this talk of free-flowing, expansive, flamboyant football, put your attackers on, it's pleasing to the eye, is rubbish. It's absolutely overrated. You play to win. You play to progress. And now that you're in the round of 16 versus Germany, you definitely don't change your ways. You keep a clean sheet, nick one in, as Shiro said, simple. But from a German perspective, I think they'll be quietly confident themselves of scoring goals because they've scored six. However, of course, they've conceded five. Having said that, they have come from the group of death, which is uh, Portugal, Hungary, and France. And, and those were high-pressure matches. We all witnessed what happened uh, with Germany in these, in these games. And they'll be up for it. You know, I've never been on England's side. However, I have a sneaking suspicion England will edge this one. Also, it could be something of a full circle for the Peaky Blinder extra, Gareth Southgate, <laughs> because it was he who missed that final penalty versus Germany in the semi-final at Euro 96 at Wembley. This time, it might be his turn to celebrate. Germany don't look like the Germany of old. I think they look more like the Germany of the last World Cup, uh, where they were struggling all across from defence to attack. But as Ridman said, they have scored six goals, despite all of that, against big teams. So, while to the eye it may seem like they're not creating enough chances, they are sort of doing enough to, um, you know, score some goals at least. But them breaking down England, who are looking very well drilled, as much as, you know, I, I don't admit it, they are playing very limited football, but very effective football. And so to find those gaps right now for Germany, I, to be honest, right now I'm struggling to find the words, struggling to find what Yogi Lo can actually do to uh, break that team down. So while I'm a massive Germany fan and I do want them to progress, I'm actually probably leaning towards both of you guys yeah. and think that England might have a chance to edge this. Chala, what sort of support is this? What sort of fan are you? <laughs> Moving on, the other heavyweight clash in the round of 16 is one of the favourites, Belgium, taking on the defending champions, Portugal. Wow, this is going to be fascinating. Now, we know Fernando Santos is not going to go all guns blazing. He's going to be cautious yet again to begin with, and you would expect him to play on the counter. But you know what? His opposite number, Roberto Martinez, is quite tactically astute himself. Question is, can Portugal's defence of Pep and uh, Diaz keep Lukaku, De Bruyne and company at bay. Not to mention the vulnerability of Nelson Semedo at right back because he'll be up against whether it's Eden Hazard or Togan Hazard and even Carrasco. You would think Belgium has the edge, but Portugal have been street smart over the years. So this one is a tough one to call. Well, something that you alluded to, I think of any central defender left remaining in these Euros, the one who's probably best matched to deal with the threat of Lukaku is somebody like Pep. 
that guy has been there, done that, understands it. He's got the strength. He's got that little sly way of defending, which can put people like Lukaku off. So I feel like that's probably the best matchup in, in terms of uh, defending Lukaku because I don't see any other defender actually being able to manage this guy. He is just a beast. Who was the last, uh, in the last game, he just turned that guy so easily, O'Shaughnessy from uh, Philip. The way he just turned him, it was just like he wasn't there. And that's what Lukaku's got. He's the big X factor. But if anybody can, I think Pep probably can. I don't know about you guys, but I think the difference that uh, was there in Portugal from the game before where they lost, where they conceded four goals, was actually dropping Bruno Fernandes and getting in Jao Moutinho and Renato Sanchez in the middle. Uh, I thought Renato Sanchez had, had a mind-blowing game. He beasted it, man, against Pogba, Kante. He was so good. It was all that promise that he showed as a 16, 17-year-old and then, you know, all went downhill and it just came back up. So, I thought that he had a good game. I think it'll be quite interesting, Ara. I don't think it'll be, guys. I think it'll be quite tight. Nelson Semedo, yes, is a weak point. Whether it's any one of the Hazard brothers, maybe even Dries Mertens or Yannick Carrasco, they can all uh, basically ring him out. Uh, I think he's poor. So, I mean, Jao, if somebody's really, they're really missing Jao Cancelo. That, that's just a big miss for them. But, I think it will still be tight. I think also Ronaldo will have a point to prove. I'm thinking penalties, guys. I think 1-1, 0-0, maybe penalties. Just going back, you guys were identifying uh, Semedo as, as, the, as a potential weak link. But I also see, even though he's a good attacking threat and he does score goals and assists, I always see Thomas Munier as a potential weak link as well. If Munier starts, I mean, he's up against Cristiano or Diego Jota on that side as well. So I think both right backs for each team could be there. Uh, entry point. But what about the central uh, defending with uh, Alderweireld and uh, Vertonghen in any case? But the fact is, Martinez has yet to decide who's the third pillar. Is it Boyota? Is it Denier? And I will just put my hand up and say, you know what? Belgium are ranked number one in the world and now they're going to prove it. They've got to beat Portugal. Then they've got to move on and beat, well, maybe Italy will come down to that later on. Then, of course, they can go on and beat a France and Spain. People like KDB, Hazard, these guys are now how many sort of big tournaments do they have left in their careers, really? And so they got to make this golden generation of Belgium count. And I think they are more driven than any sort of previous tournament. They're now at that part of their career where they understand the game like no other. So I'm going to go with what Aridman sort of said earlier, that Belgium could actually go very far in this tournament. I'm just going to say, guys, Kevin De Bruyne is the best midfielder in the world. And I think he'll have something to say. Everybody's focusing on Lukaku. I genuinely think the man to watch to win this game will be KDB. So the winner of this game takes on the winner of Italy versus Austria. There can only be one winner, right? Forza Azzurri. Yeah, yeah. Straight away, I have flashbacks of France 98. That's the last time these, these two sides met in tournament football. A Christian Vieri bullet header. And I remember a good interchange of play between, um, between Roberto Baggio and um, Pivo Inzaghi. Finished off by the divine ponytail and, and Italy went on to win. But that, of course, was a group game. This, of course, is serious business. It's also Rosie, right? We won that last game against Wales as well, albeit 1-0. A little disappointed that uh, despite the fact that Wales were down to 10 men, Italy couldn't get a second. But it's fantastic being an Azuri supporter. You know, after being ridiculed for, for the ages, this is what I've been waiting for. Scoring goals for fun and in style and with great Elan. There's a collective spirit in the side. They attack with pace. They are determined to win the ball back immediately and counter. And uh, not allowing any peace to the opponents. It's just, it's just wonderful. And we, we had this little conversation in the last part as well. You know, with Virati back and Jorginho there, Locatelli and Barella, one of them is going to miss out. 
Chiro wasn't too fond of Jorginho, but I think it's not as simple as that. Mancini wants Jorginho in the side. I think he will play. I think Virati might just play as well and Locatelli might just miss out. But the point being that before the Euros, he, he always wanted Virati and Jorginho to play together. I don't think Jorginho is going to get dropped for uh, this match. And by the way, Italy have also just conceded uh, two shots on target by the opposition in, in three games. That's quite a record. In fact, adding to this, the Azzurri have scored 32 in their last 11 games without reply. Take that. That kind of a stat you would still expect, right? Great defensive statistics from Italy. But, I mean, how do you drop Locatelli? How can you justify dropping Locatelli? Well then, Mancini will have to like drop Verratti. I am not in favour. I would prefer to get to have Verratti in the side. But the fact is, Jorginho has been performing for the Azzurri. He's played all the three group games and that's a sign. That's a sure shot sign that Mancini wants Jorginho to play that game uh, against Austria as well. By the way, Austria not to be taken lightly. Their players plied their trade in the top half of the Bundesliga in Germany. You know, be it be Leipzig, Hoffenheim, Wolfsburg, Mönchengladbach, etc. You have uh, Sabitza, Leimer, Schlager, Baumgartner. Of course, there's Alaba as well, who's now signed for Real Madrid. They're a disciplined side and free to like impose their game. Having said that, they don't have a settled striker up front. Ornatovic is not the man who, who always leads the line. But I do expect uh, Bonucci, Bastoni and Kilini, if he plays, to take care of business. But if anybody supported Italy and watched Italy over the last couple of decades, they're the best at hitting, hitting the axe on their own foot. Having said that, are Austria going to dent Italy's record? Absolutely not. Italy are going through. This entire time that uh, Aridman was talking, I was trying to justify in my mind, how can I say that Austria is going to win this game? I was like, and I was like, screw it. You know what? I'm just going to go say for no reason whatsoever that this is a trap game for Italy. And yes, Austria is going to nick it and Arnautovic is going to break hearts. Purely from the fact that uh, I just saw the sheer joy on uh, Aridman's face. And he said, such a good time. And I said, it is such a good time to be a fan of the Azzurri until they get knocked out in the round of 16. But despite all of that stuff that was going on in my head to justify it, honestly, I can't see it happening. The only axe that you can, uh, the, uh, that Italy can put on their own foot is by dropping Locatelli. That could be a starting point. Croatia versus Spain. So, guys, it seems that Spain saved all their goals for that last game against Slovakia. 5-0, even though there were errors on Slovakia's part. Turned out the problem wasn't Morata or Gerard Moreno. The solution was to start with Sarabria. He scores two goals. Okay, one of them is an own goal and, and sets up another. But we talked about uh, the lack of leadership, uh, Chala and Chiro, last time. And uh, for Spain. And Busquets starts this time. He's fit as Piculeta. Yes, Chiro, your man, he starts as well. Yes, Murata missed a penalty, but Spain always create the chances. And now that they've tasted blood, you just feel they're in for the long haul. Forget everybody else. Forget Busquets, forget Aspilicueta, forget Murata, forget Sarabria. There was one man who drove that game forward, and that man's name is Petri. He was outstanding. I thought you, I thought you were going to say Martin Dubravka, because until he punched the ball in his own net. That too, that too. But, man, Pedri was insanely good in that game. I mean, I watched him. If you watched goal three, four, five, just the passes that he played, the vision to find Jordi Alba, to find uh, the overlapping run of Sarabria, just to, before the final killer assist comes in. And that kid controlled the entire game. He just controlled the entire game, the tempo, the, how, uh, how sort of Spain built up and moved. I'm extremely impressed. I think uh, all the... 
Barca fans who've been crying, they've got a real gem in, on their hands. Okay, okay, let's let's all calm down because after the second game, we were writing off Spain's chances. Now suddenly we're waxing lyrical about their attacking prowess and saying, "Oh my God, best team!" And Tiki Taka now suddenly become the uh, the the key to winning this. So, are we are we writing off because we're speaking so much about Spain? Have you written off Croatia already? Is my question. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I don't. I think Slovakia was also a pretty poor side. So that's part of the reason why the Spain was made to look a whole lot better than they actually were. Yes, they were better than the first two games, but they were never they were nowhere near as good as they have been in the past. However, this is an interesting battle. I am going to say that Croatia might nick it. And I think Croatia will probably have an upper hand in the midfield battle. It's just the problem of scoring the goals, but uh, RR's Russian player of the year came up with goods huh i've never would have ne- never paid attention to russian player of the year like you did <laughs> we were talking about vlasic csc uh, plays for csk moscow and he won the when the title of the best player in, in that uh, league but chiro you mentioned about uh, struggling in attack for for croatia and that's right because he started with rebic did dalic the croatian coach in the opening two games he doesn't work up front he prefers to play on the left on the left hand side there can only be one winner that is ivan perisic and i'm glad he's back play on the left after that horror of a show against the czech so you get petkovic uh, in the side and uh, you mentioned also about uh, pasilic uh, off air as to why he isn't playing even though he's had a good time with uh, atalanta but the fact is in a 4231 pasilic doesn't fit in because modric plays up and you've got the broz brozovic playing behind with your chelsea man Kovacic. Having said that, one second now that we've spoken about Chelsea, we also will just talk about an ex-Liverpool player. Jala Lovren is suspended for this match. He's not going to play. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is a separate story. That is exactly why I'm saying Croatia will win. <laughs> could be the best thing, could be the worst thing. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I might even actually go with Chiro a little bit on this one because I have to go somewhere with an upset as much as a world cup finalist can be considered an underdog i think we do have to agree that they are against spain um i'd probably say that i think that they might take this one guys can we please talk about that little outside of the foot curler from luka modric my god yeah it reminded me of peak chala from bandra yeah if only if only i had that skill set wow um yeah what a goal that was yeah the old warhorses modric and perisic uh, have got them through But uh, Croatia did play Spain, by the way, in the last Euros as well, Euro 2016, and Croatia went on to win that game, even though it was a group match. You know what? What the hell? I'm going to pull out my Croatia jersey, which I bought during the time of Russia 2018. I'm going to wear it, and I'm going to say the magic of Russia 2018 will be re- revisited because Croatia is going to win this one. Wow! All three of us have gone for Croatia. Amazing. <laughs> Might be the worst prediction ever. <laughs> Let's move on. to a very uh, emotional ride if i can say so after that unfortunate incident with christian eriksen i was afraid denmark will wither away anything but that has happened boyed by the home crowd the danes have made light work of the russians but not without a scare or two i don't know about you guys but i had both the screens on for uh, that encounter when denmark was playing russia and you had finland playing uh, belgium but for the danes this is a new lease of life this could be like euro 92 they've become stronger as the games have gone on they were distraught and devastated 10 days back 0.3 days back and now at 3.0 in the pre quarters and they get to play wales and really you were sitting on the edge of your seats with damscott scored scoring a beauty of a goal in the first half 
and uh, Russia are back in it. And then a pile driver of a goal, Chiro, by Christensen. Yeah, I have a thesis prepared, but you guys won't let me talk about it. So, yeah. Go for it. You have your moment. You've been so good up until this point where you managed to refrain from speaking of any Chelsea players. We'll give you, we'll give you your Christensen moment, which he's never done, by the way, in his entire career for Chelsea. But nothing, nothing. No, no, no. He's never even shown that he could do that for Chelsea ever. But uh, super happy for him. And I have, you got to admire everything about that goal. A centre-back, 2-1 up, in, even though they're 2-1 up, the game is in a critical position. I think he just walked up and said, look, I'm going to have a hit and I'm going to smash this as hard as I can. And he just did that. That's one of those moments that will just stay etched in my memory. It's one of those things. And because you've given me the liberty to talk about it, it's, it's uh, reminiscent of uh, Michael Essien's left foot banger against uh, Barcelona in the semi-final that Chelsea lost. It's just... One of those goals that just stays in your head, man. What a fabulous, fabulous... He story. gave you the license to talk about one Chelsea player. He's managed to squeeze in a second within the same sentence. That's a, that's a true... True, true fan. But no, look, I am extremely happy for the Danes. I was watching both games side by side. Uh, kept switching and uh, I was just hoping that they could come through because they had... Uh, they deserve it. It's such a hope and it's like a good story that that's going forward. However... I think it's going to be very tricky against a very plucky Welsh side. I don't think Wales are going to be a pushover. So, in a way, guys, I think that's actually going to be a very interesting game to watch because I feel both teams will go for it. And they have, again, nothing to lose. So, it'll be quite a fun game to watch as well. Have you ever, guys, noticed that with Wales, everyone, for some reason, uses the word plucky? Plucky Wales, plucky Welsh side. Yeah. It's always been their kind of identity, which is yeah, yeah, a yeah. bit strange. Um yeah, for me, I think it's a brilliant story. It's lovely that they've gotten through to this point. But I felt, I feel like now the emotion has um, reached its peak. They must be kind of drained after that last game. Drained after the emotions of the Ericsson incident. Drained after the uh, emotions of coming through in that final game. And I don't know that they have much left in reserve to um, take on Wales, if you ask me. I'm going to go on the opposite side of the spectrum. They have risen like the phoenix. That back partnership of Kaya, Christensen is working along with uh, Mahela and Schmeichel at the back. By the way, they've had to change the formation as well uh, with uh, regard to the absence of Ericsson. And that's how Damsgaard has got in uh, the team. I tell you this, my prediction is not only will they defeat Wales, if they meet Holland in the quarters, they'll beat them too and make it to the semi-finals. Wow. So you're going, you're going, you're going for the emotion of the other story. Yeah, but that's, a, that's a fair point. Uh, I think sometimes you just need some some sort of an incident to sort of drive you forward. I can actually see how that, how, why Gulati is saying that. It could just, they could just all ride the emotion. It just keep running on, on, on some superpower. Yeah, apparently, guys, did you know that uh, I was reading a quote somewhere that uh, before the, uh, before the Russia game, Christian Eriksen apparently came to the training ground to visit his teammate, teammates. So, must have given them a super lift and uh, probably drove that performance out uh, from the, from the team. So the winner of this game will play Netherlands or the Czech Republic. Now, you know, coming into this tournament, uh, all this talk of a back three, back five, De Boyer, the worst coach, named by one uh, Jose Mourinho, not that he is pretty much ruling as far as the managerial world is concerned these days. That's a separate story altogether. The fans don't like a back three, back five. The players are unsettled, la la, this, that. But they've scored all the goals. And this is what we expect of Holland over the years. What do we, what do we remember of Netherlands? Clockwork orange, free-flowing, one way or the other, and goals coming. 
And uh, they've only conceded two goals in the entire Euros. That two was way back against uh, Ukraine. Tillit and Dubai have a good punisher. Dumfries as right wing back is, is excellent. De Jong pulls the strings. Martin Derun is doing the cleaning up. The only question is who plays up front with Depay? Is it Marlon who impressed in that last game for the Dutch, even though it was against North Macedonia, or the more physical Burghorst? Uh, uh, I don't want to straight away write off the Czechs, but straight away I'll have to say this is not the Czechs of, say, 2004 when you had Jan Koller and Milan Barosh and Nedved and Rosicki. The Czechs will need another, another spectacular goal, if not two, by Patrick Schick. I, I'm enjoying Netherlands, man. For better or worse, they are a very fun team to watch right now. Uh, if you ask me, I think uh, Daniel Malin brings a lot more to the team in terms of link-up play. His link-up play was actually really good. He was always looking for the pass. He was playing across the six-yard box. Uh, uh, I think him and Depay have a nice connection, which Weghorst, I think, is a great option from the bench. Uh, I, I would probably lean that way. And I think they will dispose of the Czech Republic with uh, few issues. With ease, I think, yeah, with ease. I don't think there's there should be too many issues there. And I think, again, uh, Donald Marlin, somebody I had said we should keep an eye up when we did our first podcast with Vanity. And I think he's done very well. I, I just feel that he adds a lot more. Also has incredible pace, the directness that a lot of the players these days are missing. So that directness will also help. Yeah, the Dutch will uh, overrun the Czechs, man. They, I don't see this happening, going any other way. It's a very lopsided half of the draw as far as uh, I'm concerned because uh, if you're going to beat Germany or Germany beats England or whatever, they have a, have, have a good shot to make it all the way to the semi-finals. Likewise with the Dutch, even though in my exuberance I said the Danes will get to the semi-finals because in this part of the draw, you also have Sweden and Ukraine. Now, is that the most mouth-watering clash of this round? <laughs> Well, I mean, Sweden's been actually quite exciting to watch. I've enjoyed watching their games. They've got a f- some nice young talent. I've always been a Forsberg fan in general. Um, he's He's been a very decent number 10 over the past four, five, six years for Leipzig. And um, yeah, Alexander Isaac's got some sort of raw uh, talent. So I, I think there's some good stuff to look out for this match. But yeah, definitely... Out of all the round of 16 matchups, this is probably the one we're least looking forward to. Yeah, but could also surprise us again. Uh, Ukraine has been decently. Uh, they have they have attacking intent when they, in the way that they play. So they've also got some good people up top. Yamalenko. I never saw any attacking intent by Ukraine against Austria. So sorry to say. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but also also guys, the other thing to note is that the, the reason this tie is interesting is that one of Sweden of Ukraine are going to make it into the quarterfinals. That itself is quite a, a big thing. So they've got a great chance that they've both um, drawn teams that they would look at as potentially beatable and say, wow, we've got a chance to be in the quarterfinals of the Euros. And can go either way. Either it can be very defensive or it can be an open game. I'm hoping it's the latter. But yeah, because the Swedes have also been slightly defensive, no? So that's the, that's the way that they've sort of set up and the way they've played. The Swedes will have the yellow wall once again. But as Jala mentioned, the attacking, the attacking players they have in, in, in Forsberg. Kulosevsky, he's the man. I mentioned this last time as well. He's fully fit now. He plays and he gets that assist for Forsberg and he, and he uh, comes into play in the other goal as well. Kwaison is there. Isak, they will have too much for Shevchenko's men. And I think Sweden are in for the quarterfinals. There's just one game left as far as this uh, round of 16 is concerned. And that is 
the world champions, we can't, we can't forget them, can we? France taking on Switzerland. Can the magic dwarf, the Alpine Messi, the Shack attack? Shakiri upset the apple cart. Shaki! I love Shaki, man. What a little player. There's just something about him that's so, like, lovable. I just don't know why it hasn't worked out for him at Liverpool, man. I really would love to keep him. Got to give it to Shakiri, though. He, he brings out his best in these international tournaments. Scores some bangers, man. Left foot, right foot. All, everything all together. But yeah, no chance, man. It's just a, it's one-way traffic on this one. What's been the memorable moment for the two of you in the last four odd days? So my most memorable moment is uh, Andreas Christensen's goal. That, that was quite a stunner. A good moment, good everything sort of worked nicely. Even the celebrations after were very nice to watch. I'm going to go for the heartbreaker that was Leon Goretzka's goal to dump Hungary out but it was uh, kind of mixed emotions for me because I wanted Hungary to go through after everything they've done but obviously a uh, big moment for Goretzka to come through big and take Germany through just when they looked like they could be on the verge of getting knocked out in the first round which would have been an ultimate slap to the face to be knocked out in back-to-back tournaments like that so I think that was a huge moment. I think apart from all this uh, I have to go back to uh, the game uh, with North Macedonia Goran Pandev gets subbed uh, midway. There's a guard of honour given by the entire North Macedonian team with about 20-odd minutes still to go in the match as he walks off the pitch. I mean, he's 37. He started playing for uh, North Macedonia. By the way, it was Macedonia back then when he was 17. That's 20 years of service for a nation that has no chance of playing at this sort of a competition. They've only played because they've been given a wild card by, uh, by UEFA as far as the Nations League is concerned. And even Schneider's teammate was there at the Amsterdam Arena. Of course, the two of them played together at the time at Inter Milan. And he stands up and he applauds as well as he leaves the field. So, for me, that's that's a wonderful wonderful moment and a moment uh, to cherish. Because as Pandey probably was growing up, he would have never dreamed to have played in a competition like the Euros. Because initially, you had just had the eight teams. I mean, even Italy never used to qualify back then. Certainly, they didn't in Euro 92. Then became 16 and now 24. That's how he gets his chance. So, I thought it was a wonderful moment. I think, I think just to add on to that, Gulati... Uh, it was a good moment. I also took about five minutes to figure out that it was Schneider because he looks like a balloon these days. <laughs> he does. Okay, on that note, it's a wrap. Uh, can't wait for the knockouts. Guys, any parting words? Taimanshaft! Don't even know if I pronounced that correctly. Oh, God, I'm going to say the most annoying thing. Football's coming home, guys. <laughs> Forza Italia. Italia. Ciao, guys. Have a good one.